congregation may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus is confronted by an expert in the law, a lawyer. Jesus will then confront the lawyer. And if we're not careful, all of it will confront us. An expert in the law is how the NIV puts it. The the Greek goes the same place. An expert in the law. This is a person who knows the law frontwards and backwards, sideways, up, down, every which way you can imagine. He knows the law. And he comes to confront Jesus to test him, to see if he, Jesus, understands the law in the same way that he, as an expert, understands it. Now, there is a mystery that is underlying all this. I talked about it when we started the service. It is the mystery of the Word made flesh. Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. He is the law and the prophets and the Psalms, all of Scripture made flesh. So if this expert in the law is, as is said, then he is an expert in Jesus. Is that right? He would need to be. And the law made flesh, of which this man is an expert, is standing right in front of him. And he seeks to test The very thing that he is supposed to be an expert in. Do you see what's happening? Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The law made flesh responds. What is written in the law? How do you read it? What is written in me? I am the very thing that's in question, made flesh. How do you read me, and how do you understand me, and how do you read it? And what do I say, and what do I do? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Deuteronomy 6, 5, he's correct. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19, 18, he's right. Jesus even says it. You have answered, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. He's answered correctly. He's got it. He's figured it out. Jesus even says this when the teachers of the law confront him in Scripture. And he says, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law is combined here and contained here. He's got it figured out. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, He, desiring to justify himself, says to the very law made flesh, the thing in which he should be an expert, who is my neighbor? You see, what the 
professional in the law is trying to do here is to justify how he's been living his life. See, according to him, he's loved every one of his neighbors because he only loves his neighbors. And those people whom he loves are by definition then the only ones that he would ever consider to be neighbor. He's trying to justify himself. Oh, you and I can't relate. No, we try and justify ourselves by a name like Lutheran. Or we try and justify ourselves by a professional vocation. This is called vocational justification. Because I do this job, I am such a good person, and God, oh, he has to love me. Because you know what I've done for people? All kinds of wonderful things. I'm a police officer. I protect and I serve. That justifies me. I'm a firefighter. I rescue people. I put fires out. I, I protect property. Do you know what I've done? I've run into burning buildings. God likes that in me. I'm an engineer. I make things. I'm a financial advisor. I help people with their retirement. I, I have made so much money for people you couldn't even believe it. Of course God is going to love me. Or I am prosperous beyond belief, and I have been blessed by God, and this proves then my justification that I am justified by God. Or take the reverse. I am so poor that God has to look upon me and say, well done, you good and faithful servant. This is all self-justification. Or the worst one, I'm a pastor. So I have to be holy. You see what happens? We're all experts in this. When we ought to be experts in the, the, the real law, the law made flesh, experts in Jesus. And that's where Jesus goes as he responds and now confronts the teacher and expert and professional in the law. Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, left him half dead. We're not going to go through the entire story, but there's five people in the story. Four we always talk about. Well, three we definitely talk about, and three are the real focus of the story for Jesus. And the three are the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. There's two others in the story. The man beaten into an inch, within, to within an inch of his life. And then the one that nobody ever talks about. I don't think I've ever preached a sermon on the, on the fifth person. The robbers. The robbers. We wouldn't be in this situation. The condition for the possibility of compassion wouldn't even exist if it weren't for the robbers. Well, the priest, he seeks to justify himself. He's going to walk up on this man and go, oh no, not that one, and walk around. And we can't be too hard on the priest. I mean, let's be honest with you, with each other. Um, the, the, the man, we, we can't even identify who he is or where he comes from. We don't even know if he's clean or unclean. He has been stripped of his clothing and stripped of his identity. He's probably been beaten, so we can't even decide whether he is a Jew or a Gentile. 
We, don't, we can't tell because of the clothes that he's not wearing. They've all been, been taken too. Not only that, but he's probably naked. And I can't defile myself because I am a priest. I've just come back probably from duties at the temple in Jerusalem, heading back, back to my priestly town of Jericho where all the priests lived. I can't have anything to do with this guy. Do you know what would happen if I touched him or did anything to him? I would have to go back to the temple and spend weeks getting clean. The Levite follows right behind, and the Levite is of that priestly tribe too. And they all lived in Jericho. Jericho was the priestly town. And he comes along, oh, I'm not going to do that either. If, and maybe he even saw the priest. And if he saw the priest walk around, well, then he surely is not going to help. But they're all justifying themselves. And then comes along this Samaritan. A Samaritan who is outside the pale of orthodoxy who is outside the Jewish um, even, even ability to be touched or even seen, he is the one who comes and then has compassion upon this man beaten within an inch of his life. And doesn't just have compassion. See, compassion for me would be I'd call 911, I'd wait until they got there. Once the professionals and compassion get there, i let them take it and off you go. Have a good life. We'll see you later. We're good. But not this compassionate one. No, this compassionate one picks this man up and he anoints him with oil and then pours on wine. And if you want to go a little bit deeper, I'm not going to get into it, but Revelation 6, 6, 6 chapter 6, verse 6, read that. Pours on oil and then pours on wine and then takes this man, puts him on his own, what kind of animal? Donkey, Right? donkey, which is an animal of peace, the same animal that Jesus is going to ride in upon at, at, um, on, on Palm Sunday, and then take him to an inn and then pay for days worth of, of, a, of stays. And whatever else he incurs, I will pay for. Now, if we are experts in the law, what we will do and how I would preach this sermon is to tell all of you, you go and become Samaritans. You go and do these very things, the same thing that Jesus does. He says, now you go and do likewise. He is asking the teacher of the law to do something that is impossible. And if the teacher of the law and even tried to endure it and go forth with it, all it would be is another law that he would take and put into his book of laws and try and continue to, to do another works type of righteousness. But if we unveil this thing, then we find out that Jesus is the Samaritan. He is the rejected one. He is the one with whom the Jews are going to have nothing to do. They will not touch this guy. They don't want to be around him. He is the one who comes and has compassion. He is the good, the God, the godly Samaritan. He is the one who has compassion on who? On those who have been beaten. Those who have been beaten by the robber and the robbers. And the robbers are the devils, Satan. The one who comes to beat, steal, destroy, and to, and to take within an inch of life. 
And then the Samaritan Jesus comes and he binds the wounds. He puts us on his own animal and then he takes us to the inn and he tells the owner of the inn, whatever it needs to be paid, I will pay it. He takes us through this life and through this world to heaven. The veil is lifted back. And we see what compassion really looks like. And if we're in the story, then we better be the beaten down and the half dead. Heaven forbid that we are trying to justify ourselves like a priest or the Levite. And worse yet, that we're the devil. And we have come to do one thing, and that is to beat, steal, and destroy. The God of all mercy has found you lying on the side of the road, beaten down and destroyed by sin, death, and the power of the devil. And he comes to you in the waters of baptism, and he applies onto you himself. And he takes you and he lifts, him, uh, lifts you to himself and takes you upon his own beast of burden. And he ushers you to the end of everlasting life, our home, heaven, and tells God the owner, whatever needs to be paid, I will pay it. Amen. There's peace. It passes human understanding. May it guard your hearts and your minds always focused on your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.